I am this evening inclined to hear from hear from you, but uh, I do have a few stray thoughts that I'd like to share first. But I am very open to any questions, topics, descriptions, uh, anything that feels alive in your own life, your own life practice. But first, uh, I'll just share the few things that were on my mind. The Clearly, all the teachings of the Buddha uh, point us toward uh, first an understanding of the u- universality of, of having difficulties. Everybody has them. Everybody, everybody gets sick, gets old, dies. Everybody has challenges, frustrated desire, wounded pride, loss, grief, all of that, that just comes with the territory. And the teachings ask us to, to open to this fact that this is really the springboard or the doorway to coming out of the, the tangle, the, the maniacal tendency to personalize all of this as having only to do with me to open to see the, the universality of it. And then to see what universally causes all of us to suffer, to, to feel tormented. And that's the tendency to, uh, to deal with the inevitable stresses of life with, with a, another maniacal tendency to want things to be other than they are. And that just adds to the burden that's already heavy. So we get caught in grasping an attachment and, uh, and uh, desire in the sense of craving and clinging. And, so we, and that just creates a kind of noose, a kind of tension that, that increases our, our difficulties. And the, and the Buddha suggested that this uh, needs to be, uh, this reminds us of the necessity in order for any of us to, to be well in the middle of this uh, of this, of all the inevitable difficulties, in order to be well, we have to learn to balance that tendency to cling by learning how to let go, learning how to flow with the the winds that blow through our lives. Every single one of us. That's what we. Whatever your version of holding on, this is what we need to do to let go. Uh, my. My version is uh, is wanting more of this, or uh, or resisting resisting how things are. It, it, each of us has our own tendencies in this way. Uh, tend to be attached to having fun. If I can't have fun, then uh, I get grumpy. But life isn't always fun, so I can't be dependent on fun. I've, for some reason tonight, I'm thinking of uh, of Swami Biyandananda, who says he says uh, we need to be fundamentalists, but put the fun ahead of the mental. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> it's just terrible. The reason I remembered it is because earlier he says we all need to be like nomads. I nomad at you and you nomad at me. (laughs) But but we need to, we, we all need to find a way to let go. 
and we and the, the other th the next thing that the Buddha talked about is that there is the capacity within each of us to to experience a sense of freedom that it is the very nature of our mind our mind is is uh, is primordially free and all our practices of course are to uh, to to realize that, to realize that that's the nature of our mind, and not to uh, not to believe that we're just bound in we have to be bound in confusion and in a state of of uh, perpetual dissatisfaction. That we can actually be free and happy, and that the, and his his prescription is to realize that. Don't just talk about it, but realize it moment by moment by moment by realizing what it's like when you're when you're experiencing things directly openly not just those simple moments of not wanting things to be different than the way they are or when you notice yourself wanting things to be different just the noticing of that oh this is the wanting mind this is the aversive mind this is the this is the mind that says i can't be happy unless i unless i have fun whatever it is and then the last thing that the Buddha talked about was that there is a that there is um, there is a way to practice. There is a way to get used to uh, being free. There's a way to train ourselves to be free. There are myriad skillful means that both are uh, that are available to all that are suitable for everybody's temperament. Uh, for different temperaments. Not everybody should do the same thing. Not everyone will resonate with the same kind of teachings and practices, but essentially the Buddha recommended two strains of practice. The strain of, of tranquility and concentration and the stream of wisdom. The heart of his teaching, the, the most the the, uh, the most famous part of his teaching is the uh, the cultivation of wisdom, but the face of wisdom, the cultiva cultivation of wisdom, or otherwise known as seeing through the illusion of separateness, seeing through the illusion of self, uh, realizing the unconditioned, realizing the the so-called unborn that that any notion that you have of, of existing independently apart from, from everything, every, all your notions of your ego, all that stuff is just an apparition. And that at the root of everything, there is no you, there is no me, there's no self at all. There's just what there is. And it doesn't mean that we vanish into thin air, but, it, but in, our in our revelation, in our realization, we realize that we are so deeply, intimately uh, woven to one another that all of our individual actions then quite naturally become dedicated uh, to the welfare and benefit of each other. That we know that whatever we do to ourselves, we do to each other and, and vice versa. So the skillful means that one stream is the skillful means of, of um, concentrating one's attention on the present moment, finding that center point, that point where where there no longer where it can no longer you can no longer find a dividing line between me and you, self and other. That just all goes away, and that the, that sense of separation that we always feel is because of the 
because of the tendency of our thoughts uh, and our feelings to divide, to create a feeling and a sense and a thought of division, that we're not really separate. And you can evidence by where, as he said, that with our thoughts we make the world. And how do, what have you been thinking about all day? Are you thinking about the, the oneness of things or are you thinking all about me? Not me, of course. I mean about yourself. <laughs> what are you thinking about? And are you thinking about what you can do on behalf of, of, of connection? Or what are, you th- are you thinking what you can do on behalf of um, feeding the... the um, feeding the, the hunger that you, that you feel. It's all the same, ultimately it's the same desire. But when we spend so much time in that world of, of the virtual me, in the world of our, our own self-preoccupations, it, it, we actually, it keeps reinforcing the sense of being alone in the world apart from things. When our mind inclines toward connection, either connection with the present moment, connection with another, connection to the life around us, to nature, the sense of that, we become more connected to that one point, one point of immediacy, touching life right where it's touching us, melting away that sense of separateness. So this is what the Buddha called ekagata, or one-pointedness. And a lot of the practices point to this one-pointedness. The deeper meaning of it means the one point that includes everything. So that's one, and it's encouraged that one, at some point in the span of your practice, in the span of your life, you do something that develops this one-pointedness. So that you're, just to help you uh, have some momentary, at least momentary, for some time in the span of your life, be free of your preoccupations. Have your mind be quiet. And as every week I, it seems that Nisargadatta gets dropped in here, he says if your mind is temporarily free of its preoccupations, it becomes really quiet. And if you stay in that quiet and you, and you uh, don't disturb it, you stay in it, you realize that your mind is permeated with light and love. And you recognize that this is really my nature. And once you've tasted this, you'll never be the same person again. But you have to keep practicing until you, until you, until you have confidence that, yes, I, th- this, is, this is true. This isn't, just a, this isn't just some little experience. This is really what's true when, when my mind is, when, when I'm not consulting my memory. When I'm not going to the past to define myself or going to the imagined future that doesn't exist anyway to define myself. What do I find when I'm really simply here? One point in this, momentarily free of my, my maniacal mind. I find peace. It's natural. I didn't have to do anything to create it. It's home. So that's, that doesn't last very long. But yet, it reminds us of what, of what is possible. And the other strain of practice is uh, the wisdom side of practice, where we, we actually invite all those maniacal thoughts. 
We invite the self-judgments. We invite the, the, the complaints. We invite the aversion. We invite the desire. We use everything that comes into our mind as an object of meditation. And we, we let ourselves, we make that shift from being just completely lost in that story of me to noticing, oh, there's the story of me, there's the, there's the wanting mind, there's the aversive mind, there's the restless mind, there's the agitated mind, there's the sleepy mind. There's the, and we begin to see, we pay attention to the flow of experience enough, not trying to come to any single point or anything, but finding the single point in every experience. And when we do that, we develop wisdom. We, be, we, we see that there is nothing in this whole mind-body process that we pay attention to. And this is why we really have to, this is where the Vipassana or insight meditation practice comes in. We see that there's nothing in that whole process that is, that we call me, that we call mine, that it's all about our personal drama. There's not one thing in there that stays there all the time. That our whole idea of ourself is, is totally momentary. The feelings we have are momentary. The thoughts we have are momentary. The sensations we have are momentary. Everything is momentary. And because it's momentary, there's no way you can really hold on to it and find any kind of lasting satisfaction in something that's changing. And there's no way in that flow of changing experience that you can, you can find an abiding self to whom it's happening to. And it's at this point, through wisdom, that we, we see that it doesn't help to cling at all because it's always moving. And it doesn't help to, to cling because there's nothing inherently satisfying about the changing conditions. And we can see as everything's moving that there's nothing there that you can say, this is me, this is mine. And quite naturally, our mind says, it says, let go. And the letting go happens, is, happens spontaneously when we see, as the Buddha described, nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I, me, or mine. Whoever has heard this has heard the whole show. Whoever practices this practices the entire teaching. And whoever, whoever realizes this has realized the entire fruit of the teaching. And having seen through the illusion of self, we come once again through the other door, rather than from the door of stillness and one-pointedness, through the door of wisdom, we see that there, if there truly is no independent self that's in all these changing experiences, there is no other. And we come to the same, the same widening view that nothing exists independently apart from anything else. And then our practice becomes one of compassion, or love as it embraces all beings and all things and compassion when it touches uh, pain in ourselves or in others it becomes joy when we meet the delight that is in, also inherent within the nature of all of our lives in some, in some forms or other and it, uh, and it expresses itself finally as, as equanimity as this great sky-like impartiality, openness, mountain-like strength that can withstand all the changing conditions, all the joys and the sorrows. And, and we, our freedom deepens. Our freedom and our, our understanding of our 
our place in the family of things. We are so intimately connected to one another. And we always, we were walking around always thinking that we were, we were somehow, uh, somehow missing the boat apart from each other, apart from the flow of life. And our internal drama gives us a very convincing view of our separateness. And everything tells us that we're in this alone. Until we stop and either find one-pointedness or see through that illusion. So because our tendency is so much to fall into these, to the delusion, the illusion of separateness or insufficiency or negative self-talk or negative self-view, we need to use that fourth truth that there are many skillful means to, to realize the, the heart of non-clinging, to find, to develop our own clear perception of connection and, and love. And most people, I would say in the, in the Western, in the world of insight meditation, tend to go for the, the wisdom side. Not as many go for the concentration side. And yet, within the concentration side, there are these beautiful practices that are both creating a sense of one-pointedness as well as continually melting the bonds of separateness. And it's within that, those, that side of the practice, of the practices that are oriented toward concentration, that we find uh, the practice of metta, of loving-kindness. And it seems to me, in this, at this point, all of us could use, I think this is, uh, this is, I wasn't planning it, but it's now coming to me, that this, tonight is, the, is going to be the first night of a 30-day retreat. We will put it on the website, and it's called Spring Cleaning. It's going to be the spring cleaning of our ill will, our complaining mind, our judging mind, our, our diminishing mind, our oppressing, oppressive mind. We are going to clean the house. We're going to brush the dust of memory by, in this case, by thought replacement. Instead of, I'm an idiot and you're an idiot, it's, may you be happy, may I be happy. <laughs> Instead of, may that politician die, <laughs> May he be free of suffering, or she be free of suffering. We are going to devote this 30 days to inclining our minds. Remember, with, this, with our thoughts, we make the world. With an unkind mind, you make an unkind world. With a mind of kindness, you make, you, you make a beautiful world. And the world may be as it is. We may not have world peace, but we can really add to the, to the peace. And uh, I, Swami Biyandananda also says, uh, uh, if you have a, a little piece here and a little piece there, then you, you get a big piece when all is said and done. So we want to have a big piece. So this month, if you're willing to join me, 30 days committing to practice every day, three or four times a day, short periods, and then what I call stealth metta, the rest of the time, under your breath, every time you walk down the street, wish every single person well. Every time you're driving the car, instead of, I'll kill you if you get near me, (laughs) 
I'm sorry I keep using that word tonight. I'm really slap happy, but hang in there with me. But instead of that, under your breath, or out loud, I love you, I love you, may you be happy, may you be happy, may, you, may your heart be at ease, may you feel safe and protected in this world. Really do it seriously so you realize. And before you, do, before you engage in this practice, reflect on it. Reflect on how every single person, including yourself, wants to be happy. And reflect on happiness. They don't want just to be, to be in a good mood, although everybody wants to be in a good mood. But what, he, what the Buddha suggested about, about the spreading loving kindness, wishing people that they be happy, he meant that happiness of freedom, the happiness of being connected to all of life, that lokutra sukha, unconditional happiness, unstuck from the bonds of our maniacal mind. So may you be happy. You want to wish that for you. Don't you wish that for yourself? You want to be peaceful. I want to be happy and I want to be peaceful. And then you reflect on every single person wants to feel safe. And so many of our actions come out of fear. Even though there's a whole, there's a whole industry that's trying to gin up fear in this, in this world. To keep you afraid and keep you armed and all that stuff. Those same people want to be free of fear, really. And so we want to, we want to, in whatever we way, in whatever way, uh, speak to that. And the traditional phrase in that regard is, "May I be, may I or you, may I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm." We want to feel safe with ourselves, at home with ourselves. But to really wish that. And to wish that other people can live... I remember the Cahill Gibran line. You know how the world is just full of, of, of people just talking about nothing and judging and criticizing. The, the whole blogosphere is just a hate machine. But a lot of that comes from people feeling unsafe with themselves. As Cahill Gibran put it, those who can't live in the quietness of their hearts live in their lips. And so we wish for ourselves to feel safe with ourselves, to be safe with others. We want to feel safe in this world, not have to worry about crossfire or, or uh, just in so many ways, in whatever ways you feel unsafe, as a, as a woman, as a person of color, as a per- we want to feel safe. Everybody does. So we want to wish that for, to others as well. And we want to all feel healthy, have as much health as possible. Isn't that true? You want to feel healthy and you want to feel strong. And, and if, you're, if you can't be healthy and strong, you want to be gracious about how you receive the inevitable difficulties with your body. So all of that, you want to wish that. For yourself, you want to wish that for others. And you want to have ease in your heart. You want your heart to be at ease. And you want to feel well. You want to have a sense of well-being. So in whatever form you decide for the next 30 days, I would really like to participate, like to share in a a little group meta. How many of you are interested in joining into this little dance? Okay, a few honest ones. Thank you. 
So 30 days, three or four times a day, and then stealth metta going. Try to make it from the moment you get up till the time you go to bed. Have the phrases going in your mind. Every time you do those phrases, you are erasing a little bit of negativity. You are cultivating what the Buddha said, cultivate the wholesome, abandon the unwholesome. Uh, uh, perpetuate the wholesome and, uh, and uh, maintain the wholesome and keep the unwholesome from arising. This is what you're doing. You're, you're actually purifying your, your mind. You're purifying your... even you're purif- purifying your actions because if you're really inclined toward goodwill, if you're really in a state of kindness, uh, then, it's, then you are, you're not going to cause yourself or anything anybody else harm, at least knowingly. You may unknowingly. And then if, with that, you can always bring in the other aspect of, of loving kindness, which is compassion, self-compassion, forgiveness. And so I'll just share a few lines with you tonight, since this will be the... I'll talk about the meta part tonight. Next week I'll talk about the compassion part. The following week, the, the uh, altruistic appreciative or sympathetic joy. We'll talk about that. How to join with others' good fortune. And then we'll talk about the equanimity the fourth week. So, are you ready? Metta. Okay, I, th- I think I've already shared the basic four. But I'll read a few different versions. The, fir- the ones I shared before is, May you be happy and peaceful. May you feel safe and protected from inner and outer harm. May you be... Uh, uh, May you have health and strength. May you have ease of well-being. You can also say, may I, be, may I have mental happiness. May I have physical happiness. Uh, may, I, may I live with ease. May I be free of suffering. Something like that. You can, it's up to you. So find some phrases and then just let them rip. Just let them go. Keep them going all the time. And start every single practice period with yourself. Envelop yourself in loving kindness. Even if it's the hardest thing you ever did, fake it until you make it. Love yourself up. May I be happy. And try to feel it. Lately I've been doing just a two-liner. I'll just give you a little... Whether You may not use this, but I've been doing a two-liner. May I be happy and peaceful. And I, as I, as I, because my wife has been having all these back problems, I've been very attuned to the back. So I'm, I'm in a sense, when I, I'm breathing up my spine, may I be happy, and then letting a little shower come down the front. Called, it's a kind of Taoist. It's a Taoist uh, practice. Breathing up the back, may I be happy. Breathing down the front, may I be peaceful. Up the back, may I be happy. Down the front, may I be and you can do the other ones. May I feel safe? May I feel well? May I, whatever it is you want to do. Up the back, down. And you'll find that, that that's a nice way to begin to, to be kind to yourself. Even though you may think you'll, you'll have all kinds of considerations. No, I don't deserve it. Oh, it's selfish. Oh, it's stupid. Oh, whatever it is. You just keep going till you actually feel it. Self for the first few minutes. And then... First and foremost, during the, this first week, because this will be Metta Week. This is Metta Week, Loving Kindness Week. You bring, during this week, the first day, you bring to mind somebody who has helped you, a benefactor, a mentor of some sort. You bring, that, bring somebody who you easily feel loving kindness toward. 
and you come closer to them. And when you do this, you may come closer to that person than you ever have in person. They will start, they will come, you will realize things about yourself and about them and about your relationship with them that we sometimes are moving so quickly we don't even notice. So think about your benefactor. And just as I want to be happy, peaceful, safe, protected, healthy, and strong, may you. Boy, no room for questions tonight. I had no idea this would happen. Anyway, may you be happy. And then the second day or the, whatever, at whatever point you want, bring some beloved friend and reflect as you do that about, about what friendship means to you. What, is it, what, do you, what do you find? What's, what's good friend mean? And then just juice them with your appreciation and wish that they have the same things that you want for yourself. And then, and this is the door, this is, starts the doorway for equanimity. Find somebody that you don't give the time of day to. Not that you have aversion to them, you just don't notice them. A neutral person. Somebody who you may see every day at the coffee shop or the grocery store or the gas station or whatever it is. Or somebody who's in your workspace and, and you, they're there every day but you've never made a connection. You don't feel one way or the other. Because you, you haven't really connected. Bring them into your heart. Wish them well. Fall in love with them. I don't mean, you don't have to really, but just, and you'll find that it's less complicated and you'll feel what the quality of loving kindness is like. And then finally, the fourth category, I hope you can remember all this, find a difficult person in your life. If you have anybody who we call an enemy or a difficult person, and then hopefully you'll be brewing at this point and let them get in the way of your metta. Let them... And you'll find, you'll be surprised how easy it is to wish them well as another sentient being, as another, another human, another person who's drawing breath, another individual who goes through the same stuff that you do. In spite of how you may think that they're, that they're impervious, just wish them well. And then finally, unfurl it and let all beings have it. And I have a feeling after a week you'll feel more part of the family of, of beings. And that's how it works. And it's just one of the skillful means, one of the practices that the Buddha recommended. In fact, I'll just close with, with uh, the Metta Sutra, which uh, to me this sutra, good in the beginning, good in the middle, good in the end. And never hear it too many times. This is what should be done by those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, 
Those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies, downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born into the cycle of suffering. Born again into the cycle of suffering. So good luck. May you be happy, and may all beings be happy, and may our practice tonight and every night and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings be free. Look for the, the little blurb on the 30-day daily life retreat on our website. It'll be entitled Spring Cleaning. Maybe it's a little premature for spring cleaning. No, March is spring cleaning. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much for your practice. Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for supporting Mission Dharma and your own practice. We'll get to the Q&A next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.